Last spring, the U.S. Surgeon General announced that we have a serious public health crisis of loneliness in our country. Now, this started even before the pandemic. And it's driven by a lifestyle and a culture that simply has no tolerance for the time-consuming messiness of human relationships, friendships. The report concluded that there are physical health consequences to insufficient connection to one another. And that includes the increased risk of heart disease, stroke, dementia, and even premature death. Now this sounded surprising to me. It may sound surprising to some of you, these links. But it actually shouldn't be news to us. We as humanity knew this thousands of years ago. The Greeks saw friendship as essential to human flourishing and well-being. Aristotle wrote about what a virtue it was to put your friend's interests above your own. As Jesus says to his disciples, to lay down your life for one's friends. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't hear a lot of people speaking this way today about friendships. We live in an individualistic culture, one that prizes self-sufficiency. This morning, as we think about this passage from John 15, where Jesus is addressing his disciples as friends, I want to reflect on what it is that Jesus does for his friends. Because I think we can learn something from it. What is friendship? Let me give you a hint. It's not the way Mark Zuckerberg defines it. Let me start by talking about what friendship is not. Because I don't want anyone to misconstrue what I'm about to say. I want to be clear that I am not talking about a relationship with someone who's abusing you. That's not a friendship. And I'm not talking about anyone having an obligation to that sort of relationship. I'm also not talking about the many, many, what I call transactional relationships that we all have, that we sometimes confuse with friendships. I learned how many of those I had when I left my law firm. <laughs> Frankly, that may be the vast majority of the relationships that we have. Those are the relationships based on whether we are of use to the other person. Now, what I'm talking about are the relationships that the Greeks would describe as filial love or brotherly love. It's not romantic love. It's not family love. Friendship is a relationship bound in mutual respect and radical reliance on one another. And this is the type of friendship that they try to build in our armed forces, where men and women literally lay down their lives for their friends, 
as Jesus describes, in service to one another and to the broader community of our nation. We don't hear people today talking in terms of the Greek notion of filial love in their friendships. But you don't have to be in the Marine Corps to have these types of relationships. Today we tend to think of friendships as relationships of convenience, social relationships. They feel good, there's nothing wrong with that. Relationships that endure though only so long as we don't get too needy on each other. Relationships that we can withdraw from if we're not getting anything out of them. But Jesus modeled a different standard. And it's one we're capable of too. This morning I want to talk about three ways that Jesus is the ultimate friend and what we all can learn from that. So here are the three ways. First, Jesus comes closer, not just close, closer when his friends are suffering. Second, Jesus remains with his friends even when he's not getting what he wants out of the relationship. And third, he enables his friends to do what they cannot do on their own. And through that process, he lifts them up and he helps them be their highest and best selves. That is an extraordinary friend. Now, as I reflected on this, I should say that I realized that I've been blessed with some extraordinary friends. People, of course, like Peggy, who's been a friend for 35 years through the toughest, toughest points where I wasn't giving very much and yet she always saw in me what I have not been able to see in myself. I have a friend in this church who takes the time to never let me get away with imprecise thinking. And he's great about nudging me to get together. And I'm grateful for that. You know who you are. I have a friend in this church who relentlessly pushes me into new spiritual places, places of the heart, the places that I'm not naturally, in, where I'm not naturally inclined to go as a lawyer. And I have a friend who takes the time to reflect on my sermons to help me improve and relate better to people. <laughs> These aren't people who are trying to get something from me to serve their own interests. They're people with whom I am bound in mutual obligation and respect, even though it may not feel that way sometimes, friends. It's not easy to take the time and the mental energy to engage like that, but it's crucial to building extraordinary friendship. Friends, in all your candor with me, none of you has yet told me I'm nuts, so I'm going to keep at this for a little bit. Now let's talk about the model that Jesus sets for us. And let's take those three ways that Jesus demonstrates extraordinary friendship. First, he comes closer. Closer. Not just close. Closer to his friends 
when they're suffering. That should be fairly obvious when you take a moment to think about it. Jesus hangs with poor fishermen. He befriends folks who are in need, the exploited, the sick, the poor, those convicted of crimes, the outcasts, the pariahs, people who can't do anything for him. Even when Jesus is hanging on the cross between two common criminals and one says to him, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus doesn't say to him, hey man, can't you see I'm here suffering too? He doesn't say, sorry pal, I need a little me time, back off. No. What does Jesus do? He draws close to the guy. He makes him a friend. He listens to his plea. And he says to him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. That's an extraordinary friend. A friend comes closer to. He doesn't back away when we're most in need. I wonder whether I draw closer to my friends when they are in need. Or do I back off hoping the need will pass before I need to inconvenience myself? Second, Jesus remains with his friends even when he's not getting what he wants out of the relationship. It's not that Jesus doesn't want anything out of his friendships. He most certainly does. He's just willing to be patient and stick with his friends even when they aren't giving it. He's willing to maintain hope even when his disciples are just not coming through for him. In Matthew 16, after he tells his disciples that he's going to be killed. Peter says to him, say it ain't so, Jesus. Well, he doesn't say that. He says, God forbid it, Lord. This must never happen to you. And Jesus just loses it at this point. Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block for me. You're setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He's at his wit's end with Peter. Can you relate to this? Have you ever been super frustrated with a friend like this? He has just told Peter that he's relying on him to be the foundation of the church, the future of the faith, the model disciple. And after three years of teaching him, Peter just doesn't get it. He's not meeting Jesus' standard. But Jesus never leaves his side. Later in Matthew, Jesus' disciples are having trouble curing an, epi an epileptic. And Jesus says to them, how much longer must I be with you? How much longer must I put up with you? Those aren't my words. Those are the words in the NRSV, in your pews. How much longer must I put up with you? But he never leaves them. Never fires his disciples. Never goes off to try to find more intelligent disciples to replace these guys. He's fiercely, fiercely loyal, even though he's not getting what he wants, what he expects, what he needs out of the relationship. Now, the best example of this is just before Jesus is about to be captured, tried, and crucified. 
takes three of his disciples into the garden to pray. Peter, James, and John. They know Jesus needs them to pray with him. And they keep falling asleep. You've all heard the story. He says to them, guys, can't you stay awake with me for one hour? I'm about to be killed. Jesus doesn't get what he needs. They keep falling asleep. And yet he never leaves them. Never abandons them. That's an extraordinary friend. He stays with us when he's not getting what he wants or needs. I know I don't always do that. Do you remain with your friends even when they're coming up short? Do you stick with a friend even when it's not meeting some of your needs? Sometimes I wonder what sort of extraordinary friendships I might have had if I had done that. Third, Jesus enables his friends to do what they can't do on their own. A true friend takes the time to look deeply into us, to see our potential more than we see it in ourselves. That's what Jesus did with his friends. He had such faith in them that he sent these illiterate fish fishermen out to do the impossible. Miracles, healing, and evangelizing in a highly hostile community. When he senses that they're afraid about his impending death, he tells them, I will not leave you orphaned. I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. He lifts them out of their fear, something they can't do on their own. He's about to die, and he's not focusing on his own fear, but on their fear. He lifts them to a higher calling. to spread the faith in a way they couldn't have done on their own. That is an extraordinary friend. Someone who loves us so deeply that they're able to see in us what we can't see in ourselves. It's what the book of Proverbs means when it says, and you all have probably heard this, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. We come together to make each other better than we can be on our own. In your friendships, are you looking deeply into your friend to take joy in helping them do the things that they can't do without you? Or are you still stuck in whether the friendship is helping you get places? Or worse, are you trying to one-up your friends in competition? Friendships are opportunities to deliberately lift each other, to do things we can't do on our own. They're crucial. We need them for our well-being, for the well-being of humanity. Jesus is the example God set for humanity. An extraordinary friend who walked in solidarity with us. 
Can we emulate Jesus' friendship with us to lift each other to a stronger, more inspiring, and more loving existence with one another? We can. We can. Amen.